Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steppe, back in Iowa now, and I am joined by our women's basketball reporter, Jeff Winder. Jeff, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I think right now you're the expert. You've seen a lot more in the last week than I have. <laughs> well, certainly a lot in Indianapolis there, and they played pretty much as good as you can ask for, and Let's just start off with, okay, they cut the nets again. They had much better net cutting technique this time than they did in the regular season, basically the regular season championship game. Yeah. Technically not called that where, you know, they were cutting from the bottom there and it's like, come yeah. on. And I would say that, uh, they would have kind of had some practice with that, some scripting. You know, a lot of teams do that. They practice cutting, you know, maybe at some point, maybe before the season starts. But uh, uh, that was not uh, – that wasn't great technique at Carver, but uh, it was a lot better than Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, girls cutting off the, the knots of the net at the bottom. That's uh, – that needs some work. I don't think I've ever seen that, but they were very good technique wise. You know, you could tell they were in mid season net cutting form, you know, they're cutting right there from the top. So it looks like how a net cutting is supposed to go. It seemed to go faster too, because they actually had a better idea of that technique. So in probably one of the cooler things was Caitlin Clark and Monica Sinano cutting two pieces of the net and then giving one piece to a couple of their fans in Indianapolis. Um, A couple of their young fans in particular, that's, you know, it's a pretty cool moment there. If you're one of those kids and you get a piece of the big 10 tournament champion that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll tell you, um, uh, those girls are are really good with kids. Uh, And, they know where their where their fan base is. They know where the future of the game is, and they they really do a nice job of including the the younger um, younger generation and and doing stuff like that. So, and that's really neat. And we're already seeing a little bit of their impact in terms of the game growing. Where that Big Ten semifinal game, the latest round that was on Big Ten Network, being the most viewed women's basketball game in Big Ten Network history. I already broke the record for regular season Big Ten Network history. Yeah. People, people want to see this team, and, you know, they want to see Caitlin Clark. But I think what they really like to see is good, fast basketball. Um, it, it, this isn't that a team that pushes and shoves. It's, it's, a, it's definitely a finesse team. It's, when it's going well, it's really pretty basketball. And I think people appreciate that and enjoy it. Yeah. And I was talking to one fellow media member in Indianapolis that said, yeah, I was going to take the day off, but I couldn't miss seeing Caitlin Clark. And I thought that spoke volumes there in terms of the media attention too, which is a big piece of the sport growing as well. Yeah. And she's, she's musty. She's must, you know, must see in person, uh, you know, and I think uh, I think their crowds at Carver next week are going to be huge. Well, depending, depending they on can the, break time. the record. Yeah. Uh, depending on times, you know, if, if they get a 
uh, a Saturday, Monday slot. You know, anytime Saturday would probably be good. And then Monday, if they could get kind of a prime time. And I think ESPN is going to try to get them a good time slot. Yeah. Well, when you see how exciting basketball they've played over the past week and really over the past month when they've really heated up, it's hard to pass up on giving them one of those better time slots compared to, you know, your alternatives. Right. So, you know, we'll, we'll find out if they're a Friday, Sunday or a, a Saturday, Monday, you know, maybe there'll be a, a Friday night, um, primetime slot there and, and get a good viewing slot on Sunday or also go Saturday, Monday. We'll see. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of other teams out there, uh, other teams that people want to see as well. Plus we're, we'll be going head to head with the men's tournament. Yeah. So that always adds to another component of it. Um, in terms of seeding wise, last I checked, the latest ESPN bracketology has Iowa as a three seed. That seems to be the most likely destination now. I think I could probably see a path to a four or maybe a two, but I think three is probably the most likely possibility at this point. Yeah, um, they've got Iowa State as a two right now. And uh, if they would get knocked out early in the Big 12 tournament later this week. That might be enough to get Iowa up and in, into that last two spot. Um, you know, I'm not looking two, three, or they're, they're not going to be a four, I don't think. But uh, I think what I'm looking at more is where will they go regional lines? Will they go, you know, best, I, I think I'd rather have them be a three and go to Wichita than be a two and go anywhere else. But that's, uh, you know, that's me, me being selfish and wanting a shorter drive. <laughs> it's not just me. I'm sure a lot of Iowa fans would like, love to go see them in the Sweet 16 if they get that far, and uh, that would be um, that would be doable if uh, if they would be uh, a Wichita team. And I think I saw earlier that one bracketology had Iowa as a three going to Bridgeport, Connecticut. And the two yeah. would have been UConn in that scenario. And that, I think, is the kind of exact picture of what you don't want to have. Right. Um, I think it's more they don't want to go to Bridgeport and play Connecticut than it's just being afraid of Connecticut this year. But I'll tell you, with, with Paige Becker's back, and they're, you know, playing with a, a full deck again, Connecticut's going to be a load. Um, I've got them ranked number five in my, uh, my last uh, – uh, AP ballot, and I think they're they're starting to motor again. So you got to watch out for for the Huskies. And then it seems like for Iowa, over particularly this past tournament stretch, but even before that, Monica Sanano really seemed to step up in that tournament. And you know, Caitlin Clark ended up winning Most Outstanding Player, but you can make a pretty strong case for Monica Sinano getting those honors as well. When were those ballots? Uh, when were those ballots due by? Were they, were they new? Were they, were they halftime of the championship game? They were within five minutes. Yeah, it was due at the five-minute mark of the fourth quarter. Okay. Uh, if I had a ballot, I probably would have, would have gone with Monica Sinano. She was great. She was really, really good in the final. Uh, and that's not taking anything away from Caitlin. I imagine mm-hmm. – 
you know, I, I think Caitlin's reputation probably helped in, in some of the balloting, but, uh, and statistically uh, the 41 points against Nebraska helped sure, granted. Sure. You also had a lot of turnovers in that game. So, yeah, yeah. but, uh, um, I probably would have gone Sonano, but uh, you can't you can't argue with Clark either. Yeah, and then you know both of them got the all tournament team recognition. I thought Keith Martin also should have gotten that recognition yeah. there. You know, each post game press conference, Lisa Bluter just raved about Kate Martin, and you know she said plenty of times too that Kate Martin's the glue. Uh, yeah, she, she said that at the beginning of the season. She, when she was a cap named a captain last year, I think that said a lot. And uh, yeah, I've said this before. I don't know if I said it to you, but if there's a, a kid on this team who is uh, D1 coaching material, it's Kate Martin. Yeah, you could see it. And now it's even better that she's starting to show it a little more in the stat column than she was earlier in the year where I think it was season highs in points and assists Friday, followed by career high in rebounds Saturday, followed by Sunday almost reaching her season high in points again. So the season high that she just set two days ago. So it was a pretty impressive weekend there for Kate Martin. Yeah, she's on a really nice run right now. I think one of my favorite Kate Martin moments from the tournament, though, was after Monica Sinano was called for the traveling in the semifinal game after that outlet pass. And Kate Martin said to the ref, this is the benefit of having good media courtside access here. Kate Martin said to the ref, let the big woman get away with that one. (laughs) So that appeal did not work. Yeah. it gave me a good laugh. Yeah, that's, that's great. So, and really the incredible thing I think about this team is you look at how they've been playing the past couple weeks. Now six straight wins, four against top 15 teams. I don't think you'd recognize that team if you were watching just, say, the IUPUI game or the first Northwestern game. Kind of a totally different team. Yeah, it is. They've they've really got their groove going right now. Um, they were they were at a low point midseason, and I think a lot of it had to do with being shut down for a while. And those they didn't get to go to uh, Cancun. They lost a couple other games um, due to scheduling because of COVID. They came back, and for about three or four weeks, they they weren't very good, and uh, they've kind of gently and slowly got things going and right now they're they're where we thought they would be all season and um at some point i'm going to go back and look through my AP ballots just how just the parabola of starting i think i started them at eight or nine and then there were probably five or six weeks i didn't have them in at all in the top 25 and now i think one week i, I brought them back in at 24 and then 21 and then 13 and now eight or nine so uh, they're just, they just rocked it again. And, uh, you know, uh, the sky's the limit for, for this team if they keep playing the way they are. But on the other hand, it, it just takes one game to send it all crashing too. Yeah. That's the, I guess the beauty of March is, you yeah. know, it could go 
one of two different directions there pretty quickly. Where if yeah, and I don't know if you were here yet. I know you weren't working in sports yet, but three years ago when when they went to the Elite Eight, they darn near lost in the first round to Mercer. Uh, they were behind most of the game at Carver in front of twelve or thirteen thousand fans. And I just wonder if they had lost that game, how that would cha- would have changed the the trajectory of this program. I mean, that would have been a, a catastrophic loss, uh, you know, in uh, Megan Gustafson's senior year. And uh, you know, something I'll probably touch on here in the next week, just, uh, you know, in, in a, an alternative universe, what happens if they lose that game? Maybe they don't get Caitlin Clark. That alone would be a massive change in history there considering already what Clark has done in two years and you know the question that I'm sure you've been hearing a lot because I've been hearing even a lot in the last week has been about Caitlin Clark and whether she goes pro and then the thing that's different people are used to these NBA roles for declaring early it's a lot harder for WNBA and you know she won't be able to and quite frankly, I, I don't know what she's getting, but I'll bet she's getting more in NIL money now than she would be getting with a WNBA contract right now. Well, that Hy-Vee deal alone has to be a lot of money. They picked her as the first collegiate athlete to have an NIL deal with them. So I'm sure yeah. they put that financially as a priority there. So is they seem to make her kind of their focal point there in this NIL new world. Right. So yeah, financially that does change things a little bit. And you know, even if she wanted to go pro, she couldn't until 2024, unless she was to graduate in three years. Right. And my guess, and I, 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 I can't get inside her head, but my guess is she will play here years I don't think she'll play for five even though she could um my, my guess is four I, I don't think she'll stop in three uh I, I think I think she's a four-year kid and you think about it they could go pretty far in these next three NCA tournament runs of course as you mentioned earlier all it takes is one bad game yeah. like you don't really have too many gimmies anymore no. And the, the parity in the women's game is as good as it's been. Um, you, you look at the, the projected pairings and, uh, you know, the, whoever they get in the first round is going to be decent, probably better than Mercer was three years ago. Their second round opponent will be good. You know, I think right now the, the sixth seed in there, uh, the Iowa City sub-regional is, is Ole Miss. And they're, they're very good. Uh, that's a team that I hope we have to play well to beat, even at home. Uh, so, yeah. And, uh, uh, Sweet 16, certainly a possibility. But it's, right now it's not a slam dunk. No. And I think if they get hot, they could go even farther than Sweet 16. And I think that's a necessary step, too, considering that, you know, as much as locally, I think everyone sees Caitlin Clark has been putting up national player of the year level stats. Nationally, she hasn't quite gotten that recognition. And I think a deep postseason run can be the difference there. Yeah, I think so. And I don't think Caitlin Clark's hurt for, for attention at the national level. Uh, you see a lot of, she's, uh, she's on a lot of the, 
you know, the little clips and the, and the uh, poster stuff that, uh, that ESPN puts out. Uh, people know who Caitlin Clark is, and because of that, people know who Lyle is, too. Yeah. So I've been seeing Aaliyah Boston is right now kind of the national favorite, but we'll see what changes there. Yeah, uh, a lot depends on what happens. I, I, I'm not sure. I know I, I sent my, uh, my AP All-American teams in today, actually, and uh, I'm not going to tell you how I voted, but uh, so I, I don't know. I think the deadline for voting for that is next Monday, so I, I assume those teams will come out sometime mid to late next week. Uh, I think a lot of that comes out uh, before the tournament begins. Uh, I don't know when. Awards and that stuff. I think that all kind of trickles in throughout the tournament. So that'll be interesting to see. And really, I think the other thing too, outside, I mean, we've talked about Clark, we've talked about Sonano, talked about Martin. Some of those other role players seem to really step up in the tournament as well. You know, Bluter pointing out in one of the games, I want to say it's the semifinal, um, but might have been, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's the semifinal that. Bluter said, without Gabby Marshall's defense, Iowa doesn't win that game. Right. She, she's a good defender. Tommy Tywo is a good defender. And uh, a lot of that goes unnoticed because people like to concentrate on points, uh, me included. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the more you watch Kate Martin uh, play defense, Tommy Tywo, uh, Gabby Marshall, the more you appreciate them. McKenna uh, uh, Warnock's not a bad defensive player. Yeah, another name there, and you know, saw her impact too, considering what she, what Iowa has done since she came back. You know, that said quite the impact too. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they've been a different team since she came back, and uh, you know, if they stay healthy, uh, like I said, the sky's the limit. Yeah, and the other kind of incredible thing too is. Usually it's okay when you've got a team this good. Okay, here's your shot. They have pretty much everybody in terms of the major contributors coming back next year, yeah. which has to have the rest of the Big Ten on notice. Before Sonato announced that she was coming back, I was thinking, you know, it's this year. This year is the year that uh, uh, that it can happen. But uh, boy, now. This year might be a step, stepping stone for next year uh, with, with, with Monica coming back because that's, that's huge. Uh, yeah. she's, she's really good. And, um, you know, with, with, with the freshman they've got coming in, I think Hannah Stolke is going to make an impact next year. Um, this uh, McCabe girl from, from Nebraska that's coming in, she's the all-time leading three-point shooter in Nebraska history. Uh, so they've they've got a lot of pieces, and you know it's going to be tough finding finding time for everybody. So, uh, and that's not a bad problem. To have. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of the perfect problem to have. I don't think you'd want it any other way than that. Right. So, yeah, I I don't have a crystal ball for next year. Uh, you know. I'm, just trying to kind of focus on uh, what's ahead here the next three weeks. But, uh, um, yeah, the future is very, very good. Uh, next year, they'll be tremendous, uh, you know, depending on the roster. 
<laughs> I don't you, you never know who might come in or, or go out. Now. That's kind of the, the brave new world of college athletics. But uh, um, 20, 2023 could be a very special year, but, but so could this year yet. And speaking of this year with that attendance, Bluter thinks she can break, well, Iowa can break that 23,000 record from 2019. Do you see that being possible? Sure. Sure. Again, it depends on times. Uh, Mm -hmm. People love to bring their kids to games. And uh, uh, if it's, if it's an eight o'clock game on on Friday, well, on Friday night, it's probably not a problem, but if it's, uh, you know, if they play a Saturday game and then play, an eight or an eight thirty game on Monday night in the second round, that'll be tough. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I suppose a lot of parents will let their kids stay up a little extra late for a game like that. Yeah. Those games don't happen quite every day. And, you know, it's a lot easier to do the eight thirty Monday night in Iowa city than the following weekend when the closest scenario is Wichita, Kansas. Right. So. Right. Well, that's why they have TVs. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I don't know. How long of a drive is it to Wichita? Six or seven hours. It's dri- definitely drivable. And I think, I think a lot of people will. I think, I think there will be a good crowd down there. Could you imagine if, uh, if I was a two or I was, and Iowa State's a three and they both go to Wichita and, uh, or vice versa? And, uh, boy, that means they'd be playing each other. But uh, uh, That would be a hell of a game. It, it would be. It would be a great game. And... Uh, um, why not yeah you know that could be (laughs) wow that story writes itself practically leading into that one i'll tell you if iowa and iowa state would both be a wichita knowing both fan bases especially iowa states are a little closer and and a little bit more a little bit more rabid um that might be close to a sellout down there for a regional which never happens yeah so that's and you know, this isn't like we're talking about some super far-fetched scenario. They're both likely going to be in that two or three conversation. Yeah. And both of them geographically would make the most sense there. That makes more sense in Greensboro or Spokane or Bridgeport, where right. all of those would be really long drives. Yeah, and a lot depends on who the one seed would be. If Baylor would be the one seed at, at Wichita, that means Iowa State's not going to go there. Probably that would that means they'll get shuttled, you know, shuttled somewhere else just because both are in the same conference. So, yeah. Um, but we'll see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not Charlie Cream. I'm not Joe Lenardi. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> a lot is yet to be determined on what happens in the Big Twelve. So you don't have the whiteboard behind you to after every game, be changing things around? It's a waste of time. I can't, I can't keep up with that. I, I I don't know all the metrics. I know the net rankings are, are a big deal and, and the head-to-head and all that. But, uh, no, I, I, I'd be silly to say that I, I could uh, come up with a bracket for women's basketball. Well, going into the tournament, what do you think is the one biggest question for this Iowa team? Can they defend? Um, they, they did a great job defending in Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, deep. Nebraska, I think, was three for 26 or something from deep. Yeah, and um, it's no, no surprise or no secret that their defense was bad last year. It really was. They gave up 80 points a game. But 
uh, what was it, 59, 66, and 67 in the three games in, in Indianapolis. That's really good. That's 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 good enough. And Bluter said her, she's never going to have an A A defense. Uh, they'll have an A offense, and if they have a C plus defense, that's going to be good enough. And they might even they might have been better than C plus in Indianapolis. They might have been a B. So if they can do that, uh, if they can defend, uh, you like their chances because they can score on anybody. Yeah, uh, I, I think another big thing is what's their draw going to be like if they can they avoid physical rough teams because they don't match up well with those teams. Uh, yeah, Maryland. Even like a Rutgers, even though they're not nowhere near being a tournament team, Ohio State, um, you know, how long can they have played playing SEC teams that's, uh, you know, not afraid to body around a little bit? Uh, I think that's, uh, that's a big factor in, in how far they can go. Yeah, because you look at it, in this recent stretch, the one kind of – I don't know, divish on that resume of late was that Maryland game. And then since then, things have been smooth sailing. So we'll have to see, though, in, let's see, however many days selection Sunday is. So about a week and a half, roughly. I'm not going to do any more math than that. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. So, Jeff, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for uh, pinch hitting in, in Indianapolis last week. And uh, much yeah, Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into another episode. I'll be back with another episode next week. Until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.